0: Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar coltman I am joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar coltman Braden, we know that you are on a telephone. Uh, is this because you are currently in your Battle of Alberta bunker preparing for what is going to be a very dramatic couple weeks in the province of Alberta now that we know that Calgary and Edmonton will be facing off in the round, the second round of the NHL playoffs?
1: That's exactly it. That's exactly what I am doing. I am preparing my bunker with all of the proper orange and blue um, colors to to ensure that people oh they're screaming outside it's already started
0: <laughs> the end is nigh <laughs> all right let's the get to nigh. it let's get to it here's uh topic one all right well we knew we had to start here we're a day late but not a uh, not a penny short after what was an absolutely like just off the chain dramatic finale to what was a great first round of the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers we will talk about the other. Uh, series and the other parts of the NHL. This is an all NHL episode, obviously. We'll talk about round two when we get to topic three, but let's start with the Oilers. Let's dedicate a topic to them. We are huge Oiler fans. Anyone who listens to the show knows that we came into this series with a lot of very high expectations. We did an episode last week where the expectations were starting to become a little bit more um, muted, a little bit more cautious, because it was a very contentious and drawn out series. It made it all the way to game seven, and Connor McDavid absolutely went uh went to town on just what had been a really great LA Kings team up to that point. And in the last two games, they kind of finally, um, they just look, they look human again. And, and Jonathan quick looked human again. And the Edmonton Oilers found ways to play defense and, and band together and they win the series. Elliot, I know, you know, you've watched every minute of it so far. What, what, what are your feelings post round one for the Edmonton Oilers? You had some worries, you had some concerns. How do you feel now?
2: i uh, really glad really happy. I think this was the goal, my goal for the team this year. I thought I felt they needed to win one series uh, and they've done that. And that for me just makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, it was a great series in that. I think when Edmonton played their game, the way that they know how to play it and they needed to play it, they were the better team. I felt that they were the better team for a better part of five of those seven games, um, but got a little unlucky or bad breaks here or there. Uh, and that's good. They were, they were, the they were a higher rated seed. And they, so they played to the level that, that, that they should have uh, heading into round two. I'm, uh, you know, I still have concerns about goaltending. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Um, and it's very clear that Leon Dreisaitl is very hurt, but uh, you know, I think all in all really pleased with uh, how the team ended the series and obviously getting the victory would have liked it to maybe been six games, but uh, you know what, you can't complain after a series win. And especially after the history that we've had with this team for the last 15 years,
0: uh, Braden. Uh, obviously, you two were excited, but I think maybe a little bit more so than Elliot. You were pretty, uh, pretty convinced that this team had the, the this in them. I don't think you were quite as nervous going into it as as he was. Maybe that's unfair to sort of put on you, but <laughs> they met your expectations. Obviously, how do you feel to a day after? Now that you've kind of digested uh, what was so a very happy. exciting person
1: yeah. I feel fantastic. It's like Elliot said. It's it, the pressure of of getting through the first round is off. Um, you know, so you can look at that as being a success. Obviously, you want to continue moving forward through the playoffs and through the rounds. But we're, you know, it, it's a different kind of a look when you you get bounced out of the first round with such high expectations. So, just fantastic to see the team rally to you know to be able to pull out a a series win like that and I think the momentum of that um, I'm a little bit uh, I mean I think it's going to be really exciting to see Calgary and Edmonton battle I'm a little uh, disappointed we lost at home ice advantage moving into the second round but um, because that that certainly helped our cause in the first round. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly but, uh, did. But,
0: you know, the others the obviously also played well on the road. I can speak to that. Uh, I went on a yeah, crazy little yeah. adventure on Thursday to go to game six, uh, something that I was very excited. Uh, I had the opportunity to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was really exciting to be in the building. I know, Elliot, you were there for game one. Um, it's a different atmosphere in the building. You feel the, the adrenaline a little bit differently than you do sitting at home on the TV where you get all the replays and sort of the analysis throughout, throughout the way. Uh, it's definitely weird to be in, uh, in the away building. I want to give full credit to the Los Angeles Kings fans in that building. It was loud. It was raucous. I know that it was, uh, you know, as exciting as game six was on TV, I'm telling you in the building, it was just as exciting. Uh, And, and for me, obviously more so being on the winning side of it, it was tougher for the LA Kings fans, but you know, what a great series at the end of the day, we knew going in that LA and the, and, and Edmonton matched up well based on their season series, you know, they had been tight contested games. They LA plays a very strict sort of structure that makes it difficult for teams to get good zone entry, to maintain opportunities. And they just shoot the puck like every single time it's in, you know, in possession, it's, it's on the net. And that certainly boded well for them in games four and five. But Edmonton sort of stuck it out and figured a way to to work through some of their early struggles, some of the things that they were um, overcoming. That's what you want to see in a playoff series. You know, how many of these series, we'll talk about it in a second, but how many of these series go to game seven? A lot of them. This is what the NHL playoffs is. You have to be able to weather some adversity, weather, weather the storm, figure out what your opponent is. Look, there's nothing like playing the same team six, seven times in like eight, nine days. That's insane. That's, that's the, Just the level of intensity and competition that ramps up throughout the week as the teams get to know each other and understand what's going on there better, the rhythms of it. You know, you have both goaltenders have nights they they'd like to forget on both sides and yet they also still stand on their heads in other games like it's just so it's, it's, it's awesome like this is what you live for uh, mind you as fans you know you got to pace yourselves here because this is round one and if it's going to go a long way I'm not sure you know how much more heartburn medication I can get at one time from a pharmacy <laughs> but my goodness um, let's just round this out really quickly what did you learn Elliot about the Edmonton Oilers that you didn't know going into round one that you know now going into round to good, bad, or, or indifferent, what did you learn from this series? Uh,
2: there's two things for me. One is uh, Connor McDavid apparently has a 10th gear, um, <clears throat> that uh, <laughs> that, can, that can emerge. Uh, I, I mean, he, he was otherworldly, particularly in game six and game seven, literally put the team on his back. Yeah, but the other thing that I think is a little bit more nuanced and might be like more important is that. Tyler Yamamoto is a playoff performer. He was great from the start of the the series straight through to the end. Um, You know, when we saw him in Winnipeg last year, he looked undersized as he is undersized. Um, It didn't seem like his game really matched up for NHL level uh, quality playoffs, Um, but that was not the case. He was one of the best Oilers on the team throughout this entire series, start to finish. And uh, that's really exciting for, our team moving forward Braden.
0: lessons learned
1: uh yeah I'm really impressed with Yamamoto also really impressed with the compete level of Mike Smith you know we saw it coming into the uh, as the playoffs were starting but also you know that uh, through game through seven games uh, you know you want to see um you want to see that a little bit more solidified moving forward. And I think we're going to see Koskinen a little bit here to give Smitty uh, a bit of rest. But the compete level is still there at 41. Uh, He wants it really badly. And then you can see that. Um, The other thing for me is... uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. What the
0: hell are you talking about? You think they're going to play Miko Koskinen?
1: I think they might start him in game one, yeah. What? Why would they not? They just spent seven games. You're going to go another seven every, every, you've got two goalies here. Yeah. Every team's got two goalies.
0: One's hot. You go with the hot guy. Look at what LA did. They could have easily put Cal Peterson in after Jonathan quick was pulled, but they knew better than that. They knew that they go with the guy who's hot.
1: I'm sorry. Possibly. Like that's insane to me. If that guy's 41 years old and
0: then you risk an injury. You, you, you ask okay. me, you ask Mike Smith right now, if he's willing and to did risk an injury we win, injury when win Rosen went down George. Yeah, in game one. of, And then we didn't have a number two then. But regardless, the this point is my being, point. What you, know, you play game the hot mean? goalie. You can't be afraid of it. No, you. Can't. what does game one mean? Brady, yeah. this series could be done and dusted. Look at Winnipeg last year. You don't play. Jordan. With, no, no, no. Jordan, Every
1: game now. Did we win this forward, last series? And did we win the first game?
0: No but you played Mike Smith and you found out that playing one guy working the way he's playing is the only way for him to find success. He loses two in a row. Do you go to Miko then? Nope. You stick with the guy that got you where you are. And at this point, that's Mike Smith. Mike Smith is their goaltender come hell or high water now through the rest of this playoffs, unless he blows like three games in a row and they're down three, nothing. That's the only situation I see Miko Koskinen coming in other than an injury. And look, injuries happen, but you, don't, you can't risk mitigate in the playoffs that's just not how you play to succeed
1: and if you I, were doing that yeah, then leon
0: drycidal wouldn't have played I disagree, game seven. Jordan
1: i disagree this is such a long this is such a long playoff you, you yeah, what happens if you can't him, run him yeah. to the ground
0: yeah i don't but think I, that i don't he, think that's right
2: i think that you know i think we've we're starting to see a change in philosophy around this i think every team last year played both their goalies at some point during the playoffs um that being said i don't think you st- start Koskinen until you get a less than stellar performance from Smith. I think like Smith is the, the heart and soul of this team. These guys want to win for him too. Like he's too, he's
0: too emotionally important for the, for he the just team. came off a shutout in game seven to win you a series. You don't put him on the bench. That's insane to me. Yeah, Mike I Smith is your guy. You're not winning the Stanley cup this year. You're not making it out of this next round. If Mike Smith, doesn't play off, off the chain. That's the only way this works. Mike Smith is the Edmonton Oilers starting goaltender. That's
1: yeah, that. no, I, I'm not saying he's not the starting goaltender. I'm saying that I don't think you need to start him every single game moving forward. I don't, I don't think you need that. Wow.
0: I, I, okay. Well, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think you play your best players. Uh, you don't, you don't rest Connor just because you're worried about an injury. You're not going to rest Leon, even though he is injured at this point, he's playing because you have to play. If he's capable of playing, he's going to be out there. And at this point, Mike Smith, again, like Elliot said, until he proves otherwise is their goaltender. And I think that that's there. I, I, anyway, we can table that for a later conversation. You had a second, uh, observation. Let's see if it says on, uh, on point is that one holy that's well, a, that's well, the hottest it, take you that, have ever had that is the hottest take you have ever had you've watching too much like calgary flames right now you're on fire that's insane
1: <laughs> you just like are you trying <laughs> to be I Stephen say, a smith what are you on he just won got, you a series yes yes he did jordan and they went seven games yes Yes, and he won four of them. He wins the final game of the series in a
0: shutout. You don't sit him for game one. Oh, my God. What, you think he's going to... Against like, his former team. Think about the emotion uh, of that. I think, Jordan, like, if,
2: I think you are way overestimating Mike Smith's uh, role in this last series victory. I, I, I don't think, think I, I think in some ways they won in spite
0: of him. I don't think that's true at all. And, if, and I think that the numbers back me up. You look at how many shots LA took throughout that entire series. And even in the games, LA's winning. They're winning a four, nothing game. Fine. That's the anomaly there in terms of those, those, the, 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 those, those situations where how many Edmonton had absolutely
1: have in the first 10 minutes of the game. And those
2: last That has nothing. goal and there's no. There, that's not accounting for quality. I'm part. not
0: worried about. That I'm not, not worried about the shots in the first ten minutes, Braden. What I'm worried about is the shots in the third period when you're only having a one goal lead and Mike Smith is shutting the door. He's making the big necessary saves. And look, give Edmonton's defense saying, full credit. I, my whole game point was
1: his compete level. What I'm saying is I want to make sure he's at that level. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. and I'm telling he's you, you if you sit him, if you sit Mike Smith. In game one of this next series, you will not win that series because you will, have, you will have you will have you will have completely nah you will have completely removed all of the momentum, all of that fight that he has in him. He is a guy who has so much pride in what he's doing that he showed you yes, after he made a clear mistake in game one. And two so shutouts in the series. How on you. earth, Elliot, can you tell me they won this series in spite of him? Two shutouts in the series.
2: In both those games, the Oilers dominated the Kings, and they had no chances. They were, the Oilers were playing their game. And I, of, in the, in when you, If you took the total of this series, I believe wholeheartedly Jonathan Quick was the far better goalie. This, this series was only tight because of the saves that Jonathan Quick was making, not because of Mike Smith. And I don't usually, think that's true. I don't think the, that's
0: true. I think you're I, right. I, I think Jonathan Quick was a like, great he, goaltender. He,
2: but He does have two shutouts. But I don't think like you needed a quality start from Mike Smith. Mike Smith wasn't the reason they won game six. It so wasn't the reason they won game seven. That hey, was Go amazing. back though.
0: No, I don't agree with that because is, we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Go back and look at both the Chicago and Winnipeg series and bad goaltending in those two series is a large reason to why we were swept in them yes. because they did not have I the opportunity. Played, to I bounce think he back.
2: played average.
0: I think he played average. I don't think he stole yeah. the series. I'm reeling. I, I'm just, Mike Smith, wow. apologist,
2: man. Mike
0: Smith, apologist. We're watching something different. I don't know, guys.
1: You, Jordan, but your your argument isn't that. Uh, my argument isn't that he's not playing well. I, my argument is that there you have to be able you have the longevity you have, yeah. you have to think further ahead.
0: Yeah. You can't think further ahead. It's the NHL playoffs in four nights. You could be going How home, many right? games? There's no such thing as rest now. There's no be, such thing as rest now.
1: Seven games, Jordan, five I don't care. Rounds, you don't. Five
0: you, okay. So you, it just doesn't work that way though. You don't rest LeBron James in game two. Cause you're worried about maybe not making it to game seven. That's ridiculous. This time I'll be quiet and let you go with this one. What's your other uh, observation before we round out this topic?
1: I don't even remember, dude. I don't even remember. Uh, I mean, I was I was definitely onto something when I mentioned Jersey was going to be uh, something to watch. But they, I mean, the physicality—that's this is the thing for me—is is when when the Oilers are pressing physically, they're that's when their games are on. You know, that's when the, the opponents are chasing, and that's what we want to be able to see. And uh, Calgary, Calgary is a highly physical team as well. Uh, You saw how many shots they had in this last game seven. So I think if if we can get on top of that in terms of our physicality, I'm a little bit afraid moving into this next round, how many players of this series will be suspended. Um, But it's going to be a lot of fun to see.
0: All right. That's uh, that's topic one. We'll leave it there. Do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hatrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Well, uh, as I mentioned off the top, I think the NHL uh, is one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting first round of any uh, professional sports playoff format anywhere in the world Uh, every series with the exception of maybe one um brought drama i think five of them going to game seven is phenomenal you're seeing the uh the compete level of all these teams, the fact that there's a huge amount of parity, the fact that a games can be decided, you know, with a one goal or sometimes it's a five, six finish, you know, where you've got these teams just absolutely going to town on each other offensively. It's exciting hockey. Um, I don't know how many other series you were able to tune into guys, but um, overall, you know, impressions from around the league. We talked, we went through in detail in our preview of the playoffs know, sort of each series. And, you know, uh, although we weren't right on all of them, I think in in a lot of cases, we were definitely onto something when we said how tight some of them were going to be. Let's go through them really quickly and just get your thoughts. Um, We'll start with the one that was over the quickest. This should surprise no one. Colorado, the only team to sweep, obviously beating Nashville. Look, Nashville had some fight in them. They took Colorado to overtime in game two. But uh, at the end of the day, Colorado has been the best team all season long. Maybe, you know, a little bit of pushback from Florida, but really Colorado's just looked just lethal. And uh, I think Elliot was the one who pointed out the Daryl Sutter quote from a couple weeks back where he said, you know, having to face Colorado in the first round is a waste of eight days. Uh, It certainly was for Nashville. What were your impressions there of of the Nashville Colorado series as brief as it was, Elliot?
2: Uh, I think it came down to what we all uh, figured was that was the loss of UC Soros in the last game of the season for Nashville was really a (laughs) backbreaker. you were going to need Jake Oddinger level kind of goaltending for them to even have a chance. Yeah, nice. uh, and you know, that they didn't get that because he wasn't available and that, that was really the nail in the coffin. Also, Kale McCarr, 12 points in four games. That guy's ridiculous, man.
0: Yeah, as a defenseman, pretty wild, pretty wild. Speaking of wild, let's jump to that one. Ella, you were really hot on the wild. I'm going to let Braden go first on this one, because I know that we also had a bit of a disagreement on, on how this series was going to go. I can't remember exactly whether I picked St. Louis or the wild, but I did say that St. Louis's goaltending was going to show up, and they certainly did in a few of these games, including the resurgence of uh, Mister Bennington. Braden, thoughts on St. Louis, Minnesota, that went to Game Six, and St. Louis obviously pulling
1: it out. Well, certainly surprised by Bennington. Uh, you know, he was not that. He seems to be a playoff performer, and that's kind of when he came on at the beginning of of if his time i was surprised to see the just it seemed like there was just they didn't know who to go with count Talbot or mark andrew flurry and and both of them the expectations were so high and i uh, just couldn't couldn't get it st louis has been there before and there's still a lot of that core there and i think that they just had the edge uh in this series that's essentially what it came down to
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day st louis has some ex- like you say the experience part of it um I don't know, uh, Elliot. You want to jump in here? You were pretty hot on the Wild. Yeah, I'm. I'm
2: really disappointed and surprised that the Wild, uh, you know, were pushed out in six games. I, this is a team that is going to be incredibly hampered for the next for the foreseeable future. They've got a ton of bad contracts and um they've got cap problems for the next little while and so they loaded up this year and went for it they went and got Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline to make a move and I I really thought we expect some a little a little bit more out of them so I was really this is the most surprising series for me
0: yeah so we'll see obviously uh it was one of those winner gets the worst uh you know sort of prize of all because now st louis will have to take on colorado however that was a great uh playoff series against the two of them last year so uh certainly some bad blood between those two divisional rivals that will be exciting to see uh we'll leave the other uh western conference game for a moment because it just finished let's jump over to the east for a second the series that i think surprised a lot of people in terms of how you know how long it went i mean it went to to six games, uh, Florida and Washington, Florida being the other real powerhouse all season long. Um, they were surprised early by Washington who won game one and then ended up winning game three as well to really push Florida, uh, back a little bit, but Florida was able to, to reel off three wins after that to win it in six. So Florida, Washington, um, any impressions there, Elliot moving forward, uh, is Florida looking a little more vulnerable than they did, uh, two weeks ago.
2: Well, I don't know about that. I mean, you want to talk about how close, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs and how great it is. Game four um, goes to an overtime game. And uh, Washington had several opportunities to win that game and go three on in this uh, up in the series with a minute left. Yeah. And they didn't and uh florida ended up winning that game and then ended up taking the series i think that's the that's the the defining moment for me is that is that overtime victory for the team is florida fallible maybe washington's a good team i always judge your you know how you uh, when i'm looking at the opponents or i i'm always thinking about how many guys have been there before and won a stanley cup and you know there's a core group there in washington that's won a stanley cup and knows how to do it and uh and Florida maybe doesn't have that kind of experience, and but they managed to weather it. I mean, and they got it done in six games. So um, Washington's a good team. So <clears throat> I, I I know I I I'm not that down on Florida. I still think Florida's the my pick to come out of the East.
0: Well, let's talk about their next opponent. I think my the only prediction I've made all season long that I think still stands is that there's a very good likelihood that a Florida team is the team going out of the East into the finals, because it will either be Tampa Bay or Florida coming out of that division, Tampa Bay and the Maple Leafs look heartbreak for Toronto. Again, a team that now has, I believe the NHL and maybe pro sports record for the most consecutive first round losses uh, in I mean, current currently it's the streak. I think they're at five consecutive first round losses uh, for Toronto. It's brutal. They just can't get over this hump, and they played very well. I think the most frustrating thing, having spoken to some Leaf fans, Tyler Walzak from Pit Stop on our network, uh, being one of them, you know, talking about how it's this is the most one of the more frustrating ones because you can't even be mad at the players. They played amazingly. They just again could not get past good goaltending in the end. Good good sound team and look at two time Stanley cup champion. We said this would be the hardest out should be the hardest out uh, in, in the first round. And Tampa Bay took it all the way to seven as well. Maple Leafs coming out first. It was like the first three games, first team to five goals would win and it went back and forth. And, you know, Toronto looked like they had an opportunity there by winning game five and forcing, uh, you know, Tampa Bay to have to win two in a row and Tampa Bay did it. So there you go. Braden. Um, do you have any sympathy for Maple Leafs fans?
1: <laughs> well, I have, I don't know about sympathy, e- empathy, in that I know what this feels like, uh, maybe not to the extent of losing, you know, being bounced that often. And in so many game sevens, um, I think that, I mean, they're in a very difficult situation. The The pressure, just cooking in that city uh, with the media and, and um, the expectations are just through the roof. They've, they've, put themselves in a position to make it seem like they would go further and further every year and somehow they're still in the same spot. So uh, I don't know how much changes. I don't know how much they can change. They likely won't have Campbell back next year. Uh that's kind of the missing uh, no. piece there, really, is
0: isn't it? As, like a bona fide goaltender. Well, it's interesting because why Freddie didn't they go Anderson get Flurry? <laughs>
3: was
1: and then wasn't. Yeah. Well, that that's that's an interesting thing. What are the what are the things that they could have had at the deadline and missed out on? Um, but
0: it didn't work out for Minnesota anyway. So who knows? Um, let me let me ask Elliot this then, Elliot. We know that if the roles were reversed and the Edmonton Oilers had been bounced last night instead of the Toronto Maple Leafs, all of Canadian sports media outside of Alberta would be asking the simple question. When does Connor McDavid want out? So I'll ask you this. When does Austin Matthews want out? Cause they are squandering the absolutely phenomenal career of Austin Matthews having lost all these things. And look, Austin Matthews will probably win the heart just because so many Toronto media will have had a vote for it, but you have the MVP of the league and you lose the first round. You got to be asking yourself when's Austin Matthews want out?
2: I don't think it's yet. I, you know, this sort of relates. Uh, I'm going to ignore your inflammatory question. And, uh, and <laughs> uh, you know, I think that there was lots of expectation on this team this year. And I think it was a lot of people felt like it was do or die. I think Toronto played so well and they, they were so close. And because of the opponent that they lost to, I think the calls for changes in the head office and with the coaching staff, at least for now, Will be will subside. I think fans are heartbroken and frustrated, but I don't. I, I think they played well enough to not be. You can't be expecting wholesale change in Toronto. Did, uh, did I miss a memo? Okay. Moving, did
0: uh, I miss a memo? Is tonight just like hot take corner? What the hell is going on here? You honestly don't think that the fans are going to be calling for Dubis's head now because they had a decent. No, Jordan. Not, no, I totally
1: enough. agree with Elliot on that. I think he's done enough? The Tampa Bay up. Lightning. Yeah. Every everyone watching that series saw how good the Leafs were in that yeah. series, and Tampa Bay was just better. And I don't think that that means that Dubis and the whole office needs to change. I I do not think that that is called for.
2: I think they got a really they got the toughest first round opponent probably in the former two time Stanley Cup champions. They took them to Game Seven, and you know five minutes left in Game Seven, and Vasileski had to stand on his head. And they and they lost. And that's. Right. That I'm gonna
0: mean. I'm gonna now defer to the actual Toronto fan here, who knows what he's talking about and knows what his fan base wants. Let me just read you the texts I got last what night from Tyler.
1: Want? Well, he, he's okay. a lot more in tune with Maple anti- Leafs Twitter than anti- we are.
0: Stuff. This
2: is pretty. He's anti- much
0: stuff. more in tune with what Twitter on the Maple Leaf side is than you or I are. He's talking to a lot right, more fans who are actually day. there. Fair, fair. He says, and he pointed this out first off, this playoffs did seem different than the others. The Stars actually showed up to play. It felt better in the moment, but coming out of it, tonight feels different. Toronto is burning for change. All Twitter wants is Dubis, Shanahan, and Matthews gone. Matthews gone. That's insane to me. Personally, but he's telling you that's what the fans are saying. They're pissed. And the thing about it is you're not going to go trade Matthews. You're not going to do that unless he asks for a trade, because the reality is you're never going to get quality back. But I would not be surprised considering when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization, they are the New York Yankees. They are Ferrari. They are Manchester city. They are the top echelon brand in their sport. When it comes to the fan attention, media attention and the the way in which the ownership values and 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 places winning at all costs at the utmost right there are a lot of other teams especially in Canada who are willing to you know plug along and sort of placate their fan base knowing what they have to work with. Toronto is not that. Toronto is a win at all costs and they have lost five first round series in a row and they have tried everything else to try to get here. It's clearly not working. You cannot go into next season status quo. It just won't happen. So you have to ask yourself, are they comfortable enough with the talent on the ice minus a few clear pieces? I agree with you, Braden. Jack Campbell, I think is gone. I think they have to find a genuine bona fide starting goaltender at whatever the price tag is. They will do that. They clearly are missing a couple of those kind of pieces. Look, they have one of the most lethal offenses in the league on their best day, but they need a goaltender. I do not believe, here's my hot take, I don't think Kyle Dubas is sitting tonight very comfortable in his job. I think that the ownership of the Maple Leafs is going to start having hard conversations about whether or not the path that they have gone down has a positive outcome in the end, or if they're only going to see the same things happening. I don't know if it's Shanahan, uh, who needs to step in and just sort of take over one more time. And he gets one last shot at this. But the same way Oilers fans were calling for everybody's head in December when they were struggling, Toronto's going to start turning on themselves real fast here. And I think they keep their players. I would even argue they keep their coach for one more go round because I think Sheldon Keith did some interesting things with this lineup. But I think Kyle Dubas is probably the first guy out the door. They need somebody fresh and, and maybe more experienced. I don't know what it is. But don't expect Toronto to look the same next year. Their their fan base is really, really, really in a bad place. And, and at the end they, of the day, and they, they care new, more about that. Yeah,
1: they care more well, about well, that. Yeah, than of most, course most they do. But do. but they gotta they gotta take a, a page out of the Oilers' book and not just blow everything up because things are things are. You know, you gotta kind of stay the course. Even though it's it went to game seven. That that's gotta say something. Yeah, they didn't pull There's, it out,
2: but. I'm interested. I, 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 you know, I know the fan base is mad and I, and I would be mad too. I mean, we're talking about a fan base that's, you know, less than 24 hours after a really de- heartbreaking, devastating loss. I just think they've, this team did well enough that it will at least keep people in place to the start of next year. The, I, 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 do think that, I think that the people, the people in hockey that know hockey would say, look, that was really bad luck. And you guys, any other team, you would have beat them, maybe even Colorado. Uh, in that first round playing like that. And, and I don't think, I I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uncertain.
0: No, it's a tough one. Let's jump to the last two real quick here. uh, And then we'll get to Calgary. Uh, We have Boston and Carolina. Um, I said at the top, I really expected Carolina to just blow Boston out of the water. They clearly didn't. They took them all the way to seven. So Boston, you know, with, again, as Elliot pointed out a couple times already, when you got some guys in there who have been to the top of the mountain, they know what it takes and they certainly were wily. Here's a weird one for you. I don't know if you noticed this in this series, every single game won by the home team. Yeah. That's an interesting Mm. statistic, right? No away wins. And usually to win a series, you got to win an away game. Obviously, in this case for Carolina, they get lucky. They had home ice advantage, and it worked out for them. But um, that was a brutal series. That got ugly, Marchant and Tony D'Angelo, and it, it definitely some 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 high, high heat going through that series. But another game seven that uh, Carolina pulls out, and uh, we'll see Carolina go on to the second round. Any thoughts there real quick, Braden? Uh,
1: I, I was with you. I, I absolutely thought Boston was going to get destroyed in this series. Marchant kept his team... Patrice Bergeron kept his team um, afloat. And uh, I was I was surprised to see that one go to seven. Uh, but I, I, I think Caroline is still in for a, a deep playoff run.
0: Well, speaking of surprises, I think we were also both surprised with how feisty the Penguins were, Elliot. Uh, off the beginning of this series, you know, we kind of had a bit of, well, maybe they're nearing the end of whatever they are. And I think those questions now still remain, having lost in, in game seven. But the New York Rangers uh, also, again, Um, a team that came in with a lot of high expectations. They definitely, I think, took a hit to their reputation in terms of how this series ended up going. It'll be interesting to see them against Carolina, considering they were both the favorites, but they both went to game seven. So there's a lot of pressure on both of them now to to sort of move into round two. But uh, I'll ask you the same question we basically asked you before the series, Elliot. Is this the end of Pittsburgh's core and are they moving into a rebuild?
2: Yeah, what do Evgeny Malkin... Ryan Rust, Evan Rodriguez, and Chris Letang all have in common. They're all unrestricted free agents heading into next year. So this yeah. team is not going to look the same. And there's some massive decisions that need to be made and will be need to be made um, fairly quickly here. And I think Sydney Crosby will have, have a hand in that um but uh, so yeah this was this is sort of this was the final year of that team and I I, you know I really enjoyed this series we got to watch a lot of it because obviously they always carry the Crosby series it's that one American series it seems like um and then so you know I really enjoyed this series it was really back and forth I mean up until 10 minutes ago I think Pittsburgh was leading um and New York did uh leading in game seven and uh New York came back and then obviously wanted it in overtime. I, I I just, you know, it goes back to that old, you know, I keep saying this and I sound like a broken record. It's so hard to beat teams that have won championships. Yep. And this sure. is another example of that. And that was my apprehension. I think I actually picked Pittsburgh doing this series. So I was wrong, but I certainly anticipated a tough series for New York. And that's exactly what they gave them, man. Um, But yeah, what's what happens next year with Pittsburgh is very interesting. I'm looking at you. If you have a chance, look at their cap friendly. There's a lot of gaps that they're going to need to fill and, uh, and some big names that uh,
0: well, and that's why they're on the radar as one of those teams that could be looking for a guy like an Evander Kane or somebody else who's kind of come out of the woodwork this season and had a really good playoffs. You never know. That could be one of those attractive markets for them. Let's jump to the last series. The one that sets up the Oilers opponent, Dallas, Calgary. This was one of the tightest, lowest scoring series in the entire first round, especially the first two games which were both shutouts going each each way one nothing for Calgary, then two nothing for Dallas. they split the two games in Dallas as well four nothing uh, four two pardon me in game three, four one in game four. game five is a three one game. Game six is a 4-2, but an empty netter. So it's really a 3-2 game when you look at it. Game six there. And then tonight, obviously, is a 3-2 game in overtime for game seven. Calgary prevails. Calgary went into this as the division leader. Again, I think much like in the, the, the case of a Carolina or a New York, I think that they were surprised by how good Dallas played against them. More specifically, how good Jake Ottinger did. Let's start there. Braden should every team in the Western conference be on high alert for the fact that Jake Ottinger has just come out and said, Hey, I'm ready to be the next best goaltender in the Western conference.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. He, he had a coming out party, uh, in in his game that ended his season tonight, uh, with, I think like close to 70 shots, uh, and over 125 shot attempts. Um, and he looked cool as a cucumber the entire game. So, I think there's something to say about Jake Ottinger and the fact that Dallas also has Kudobin and Holtby, like, move over guys. This, this is Jake's team now. And um, I mean, I, I too was really impressed and surprised with how far Dallas could push Calgary uh, in this series.
0: Uh, Elliot, obviously uh, you know, I think it goes without saying how great Jake Ottinger was, but let's talk for a second too, about how well defensively Dallas met the offensive power of Calgary. And if there's lessons to be taken from that for the Oilers, not to say that the Edmonton Oilers are built like Dallas is defensively. Uh, Dallas actually a lot like Los Angeles, I think, plays a very difficult neutral zone game that neither the Oilers or the Calgary Flames have in their repertoire. However, it showed that the Calgary Flames can be beaten and that there are ways to do that. What did you, uh, what are your takeaways from Dallas, Calgary? Uh,
2: Dallas is going to, Prince impressive defensive core, man. Heiskanen is something else to watch. Yeah. Uh, and Suter, you've got, they've got him on a value deal. Shows some leadership was good. Klingberg is obviously Klingberg. That's we'll see what happens with him. Cause he doesn't have a contract next year, but <clears throat> I, uh, I really hated watching this series. It was so boring. <laughs> Only until I got <laughs> close and there was, there was, uh, you know, game six and, and, and seven, obviously you y- y- were, we're a little bit better, Um, But the styles that these two teams play and it's like a Sutter team versus like a team with a good defensive core. It was mind numbing at times, but hey, you got to do what you got to do to win. Calgary did it. Dallas gave them a run for their money. If Dallas had won this game, they were pretty close. It was, you know, they both teams deserved the win in my mind. Um, And it was it, it was that close of a series. And I don't know that I would have necessarily expected this. I think Jordan, you were the clo- the, the closest one uh, on this. I think we all took Calgary, but you were really quite vocal about the fact that Dallas is not an easy team to play against and uh, that we should be paying attention to the series. So props to you. You were right on that one.
0: Well, uh, overall, I mean, the level of sort of, as I said, parody across the board was very impressive. I think in round one, that's the biggest takeaway for me is how, Closely matched many of these series were obviously most of them, five of them going to game seven is phenomenal in terms of the product and quality. Uh, Colorado sitting at home waiting for someone to join them in the second yeah, round for almost yeah, a, week. a
1: week. Um,
0: so there's some value in that, I guess, for them, or maybe uh, St. Louis could get a little jump on them, but regardless, uh, fantastic round one. Um, we'll turn our attention to round two here in a moment in topic three. That is topic two.
3: Do you like fast cars? Do you like when they race? Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you've just discovered the rush of racing, check out the Pit Stop podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Join Jordan, Tyler and Brayden each week as they recap every race, as well as break down the biggest stories on and off the track, all before setting you up for the next race. Formula One schedule. The Pit Stop Podcast is available anywhere you get your podcast.
0: Okay, really quick here. Let's just give you a little preview and make some picks here on round two. Uh obviously our show's going long, so it is what it is. Let's go to the East first. Now we know what the matchups are. Carolina, New York is an interesting one because again, both of these teams um, you know, they had to fight to get to the second round, maybe more so than was expected, but they both fought to get here. They don't come away completely unscathed, but for the most part, they're healthy. Let's—I mean, other than Frederick Anderson, which we knew going into the playoffs—and uh, Ranta, uh, Ranta has been very good for Carolina. But Shosturkin in New York, obviously, fantastic goaltending, was challenged by Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of question marks. Let's just put it out there, Elliot. Uh, who are you picking? Carolina, New York, and any uh, initial thoughts on that that matchup? Yeah, I
2: don't know. My heart says New York. My head says Carolina. Um, I think a lot of this is going to come down to goaltending and namely New York's goaltending, because I think Carolina is on the whole the better team. Um, so I'm going to go with, uh, I think I like Rod Brindavore too much. I think he's too good of a coach. I'm going to go with Carolina in
0: five. Nice. All right. Uh, Brayden, you want to jump in there?
1: Well, first and foremost, I, I definitely believe Shostakhin will win the Vesna. Do you guys believe that he should be in that heart, uh, uh, final? He was one of the finalists in heart conversation.
0: I think he's definitely played well enough to have gotten votes. I was surprised that he was a finalist, but, uh, I think he's yeah. a shoe in for the Vesna for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's the only thing that New York has going for it. I think in this, in this next round, I think that Carolina, but I think it's going to be tough. And I think the reason is that it's going to be tough is because of Shisterkin and Carolina is going to win it in six. Wow.
0: I, I mean, okay. I, I agree with both of you. I think uh golden is a big part of this, but I also think like, don't, don't sleep on New York's offense. I mean, Mika Shabinajad and, um Crider have been really good all year. Kreider unbelievable all year. And New York has an opportunity yeah. here if they can exploit um you know the fact that Carolina is playing the goaltender that was their backup all year and they can get out to early leads in this series. They have the kind of horses to be able to win some games here um in, in you know offensive uh driven ways. But you know obviously Carolina has a lot more sort of, um, truculence, let's call it a little bit more defensive, uh, ferocity. And obviously Tony D'Angelo is playing now against the team that didn't want him and pushed him out. So there's some more emotion for him to kind of come back with after a very, uh, ugly series against Boston on his behalf. But I guess it, it, for me, this is almost a toss. I think, this is the I first think Carolina's
1: second. deeper when it comes to that offense you're talking about though.
0: Yeah. And, and that may be true, but again, you're up against the Vesna trophy winner for the goaltending side of it. I think yeah. New York gets yeah. the edge on that side. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I would say this series has the potential to also go long. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to uh, Carolina because I liked Carolina earlier and I, I think I should stick with that, but I think this game could, this series could easily go five or six. I'll go Carolina in six. Um, let's Hey, eh? uh,
1: three Oilers fans taking Carolina. Continue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, We've got the Panthers and the Lightning. It's the Battle of Florida. It's a rematch of round one of last year's playoffs. And obviously Tampa got the edge on Florida last year. Um, Tampa and Florida, I, I wouldn't say it's the most sort of heated rivalry in the NHL, but they certainly now have played each other enough that they don't like each other. And there's certainly a lot of talent on both sides. Tampa Bay coming out of a much more physical series against Toronto than Florida found in their first round. So that'll be interesting. Florida's got a few players banged up too, which would be interesting to see how it plays out. Elliot, we'll go to you first. You've got Tampa and Florida, which Floridian team comes out of round two.
2: I'm going to say this is a year that uh, Tampa Bay passes the torch to uh, Florida and Florida becomes the best team in, in, the state, I'm going to take Florida, but I'm going to take them in seven. I think this is going to be, this is, this is, this could be a very good series.
1: Braden? Oh boy, I, I for so long, thought Florida was going to do this, and, I, and it's very likely that they still will. But something about what Tampa was able to do against Toronto makes me think that they might just be able to squeak this out against Florida. And I also think it's going to go to seven.
0: I don't think it's actually going to be that tight. I think um, we might be surprised by this one. I think this series is a four or five game series for Florida. I think that the fight that Tampa just came out of, I think will have emotionally and physically been a lot for them to go through. And I actually think that it gives Florida the advantage. I also think that you cannot sleep on the fact that Carter Verhage is on an absolute tear. I mean, he has two points behind Connor McDavid for the entire Point lead in the series in six games. He's got six goals and six assists. I mean, the, like just straight up in terms of the the firepower that he's bringing. It's really, really impressive. And if he can play the way he's been playing, moving into this series, um, Tampa could have could have another hard time uh, on their hands contending with what Florida's got because Florida comes in waves at you. And I think, as I said, Tampa uh, had a harder series against Toronto. And sometimes we see that a team comes out of that first round battle and it's hard to get back up for round two. Maybe that won't be the case because they do have some history, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to take Florida in five. All right, that's the East. Let's move to the West. We have Colorado, St. Louis. As we said, Colorado, well-rested. Clearly the uh, clubhouse leader here. Everyone's expecting the best out of them. There's some history here as well. These two teams faced each other last year. St. Louis got the better of Colorado. So much like Tampa and Florida, we have some opportunities for payback, revenge, or a sequel to what happened. Elliot, St. Louis or Colorado?
2: I think I'm going to take Colorado and maybe that's the obvious pick and the easy pick, but I do think this is going to be a tough series for them. Again, you know, they got to exercise some demons here, as you said, and, but I just think, you know, they've got a week of rest, uh, which is always, you know, I always think is important. Um, they've got a really strong team and a really strong system. Do I think it's going to be a blowout or a sweep? No, I would say Colorado in six. And I think it's kind of fair.
0: Braden?
1: Yeah, Colorado's gonna win this, and it's gonna be all thanks to that Kilmer again. And but I but I think St. Louis might take the first to the second game. But I think it would be five. Remember, this is Ryan O'Reilly's former team, and he, you know, having having moved away from that, um, I think they, there's gonna be a bit of spark behind the team to try to try to slow that Colorado uh, team down, and I just don't think they're gonna be able to match.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to bet against Colorado after what we have seen them do, but I would also point out Nashville took them to overtime in game two. Don't forget that. This team has the opportunity, in, St. Louis has the opportunity to do similar things to Colorado by getting in the way in the neutral zone, making it difficult for them to play the game they want to play. Look, Kale McCarr might score a lot of points, but he's doing that once his team has possession in the offensive zone. If you b- make it hard for the, for Colorado to get and contain possession, it makes it much harder for Kale McCarr to become a factor. You got to be disciplined. You can't put them on the power play and you got to play smart defensive hockey. St. Louis has done that. They're a good team that way. That's how they won against Minnesota but I think Colorado still has the edge because they're just such an aggressive team. I think you're both right. I don't think this is a sweep, but I also don't think this series is going longer than five. So I'll give it to Colorado in five. Let's finish it off with the one. We know we will be most uh, closely watching. Obviously this has not happened since 19, I think
3: 91
0: or 92. Uh, It's been a very, very long time since we've had a battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Um, it's gone a few different ways. Obviously, most of the Edmonton's way, but most infamously, Steve Smith in Game Seven.
1: I was just going to say, putting the wasn't puck that off the, of Grant Fear. Yeah.
0: That's a big bad one for oh. for Edmonton. In fact, I believe that was Edmonton's last Game Seven. I know it was their second to last Game Seven at home uh, prior to last night. So look, Cal- Calgary comes in uh, riding the better regular season record, but both teams just went seven seven games with teams both of them were expected to beat. So I think not that I think either team will have found some kind of humility in that, but I think both teams have had experience coming out of those series that are different, but valuable for each of them. I'm going to let Elliot take this first. Elliot, who do you have Edmonton Calgary and in how many games? I think this
2: series is going to come down to health, the health of both teams. Tanov was out tonight. Dry sidles hurt. Um, There's bumps and bruises everywhere. Um, but I, I do think it's a close series, but I think it's going to be a really tough, exhausting series. And the team that is tougher is going to be the one that wins and not necessarily <laughs> the most skill. You got to pick so one. I'm going to take Calgary in seven.
0: What? Wow, in seven. Oh, well, yeah. that would be heartbreaking and brutal. All right. Uh, Braden.
1: Okay. Well, here's, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> I have a, I've a, I've a big issue with what you just said, Elliot, mainly because you are an Oilers fan. I know we're just making predictions based on the statistics and what we think will happen, but this is a problem for me. When a guy like Wayne Gretzky comes out, makes his predictions, and predicts the team that has a statue of him outside their building, a history of him being a legend with his number in their rafters, d- predicting the the Calgary Flames will beat the Oilers. I think that it's sacrilegious. I think that it is. It, it makes me crazy. Now, Calgary might very well beat the Oilers. But <laughs> as a fan, I, you can't do – I just – I don't feel like that's a fair thing to do. I think the Edmonton Oilers will win this series. And I also think it will be seven. I can't, uh, I can't believe you just yeah. did that. Earlier. I don't, I, I, I'm,
0: I'm I, shook. I have faith. I have faith in the Edmonton Oilers too. And the reason I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I think that these teams, um, match up well against each other offensively. Obviously Calgary has been absolutely literally on fire all season long offensively, and they have played better against Edmonton this season than they have probably for the last decade. However, I think Edmonton has a slight advantage in that. I think there is a, um, I think there's just a different level that Edmonton's offense, especially Connor, and especially if Leon can be healthy, what he can contribute to this team um, is capable of going to in emotional games. The Calgary has yet to show us in the playoffs, right? Even in their most, you know, emotional game, game seven, it's a two-goal game. You know, nobody's found that next step. Now, sure, Edmonton scored a two-goal game too but they they shut out la at home they beat la at la's game by not allowing la to play their game at all dallas hung in that game that that game went to overtime because dallas had just as equally you know a a fighting chance i don't think la really had a chance in, in game seven by the time the third period had rolled around edmonton had pretty much controlled most of of the game edmonton's capable of playing that kind of hockey i also think edmonton has a short memory I don't think Edmonton gives a shit where the season series was. I think Edmonton is ready to go for this matchup no, in a yeah, different no, way. No. And maybe that's the same for Calgary. I do think it'll be a physical series. I think Edmonton has proven that they are very capable of being physical. You know, you don't have to agree with his politics, but Josh Archibald has been an absolute pit bull out there for the Edmonton Oilers in the games that he played um, taking over for Warren Fogle, who was a no show and, and Archibald, is one of those guys who finishes every check. We've seen Zach Cassian come back to life and finish every check. We've seen Connor McDavid get out there and finish every check. And there is an opportunity for Edmonton, who I think has a slightly more mature core than what Calgary has, to get into Calgary's head in a different way. Matthew Kachuk could be the most valuable player for Calgary, or their worst uh, asset because if you can get in Matthew Kachuk's head and get him running around and taking dumb penalties, putting Edinson on the power play, you have an opportunity to exploit that. And we know that the emotions are going to get high in the yeah. series. It's about but the team. That's,
1: I was going to say that's a two-way street, right? Of course because
0: it is. It's about whichever it's team is able to keep the cool I think that's it what it comes down to.
1: That's right. Chat.
0: It comes down to who can keep their heads cooler and who's able to, to to manage the emotion in this, use it to their advantage, and we'll see what happens. I take Edmonton in five. I think that they overpower Calgary mm-hmm. uh, in, in Calgary, at least one of those first two games in Calgary. And I don't think... Uh, Edmonton, I think Edmonton has the advantage when they're at home. I think that they've now figured out how to play at home with this kind of crowd and emotion, and I think that they're able to push them. I, I'll be bold. I'll, I'll take Calgary and uh, Edmonton in five. I actually I, like I, I I actually like this matchup more and more the more I think about how they line up. Now, as Elliot said, health is going to be a big thing. Leon Dreisaitl's not there. Mm-hmm. That could be tricky. But look, Edmonton also went into LA and won game six without their biggest, baddest horse in on the defensive side, which was Darnell Nurse, because the team found a way to play uh, a a style of hockey where they they complemented each other and picked up those minutes together. Leon wasn't a huge factor in game seven. He played a lot of minutes, but he wasn't a huge factor. It proved to me that the Oilers, especially if they played 11 and another 11 and seven sort of lineup, they'll be able to shuffle guys in and out to get onto the side with, with Connor and guys have played well. Yamos played well up there. Uh, Kane's played really well up there with Connor. So I think there's options for Edmonton that Calgary hasn't yet seen and and we'll wait and see what happens, but it could go one of two ways. This could be over real quick or it it could be a long fight too. So I think I'm in five. I think that that, that it'll be fun to see Edmonton push Calgary around.
1: Well, I'll either be West right or happy. Days too right.
0: they will either be right or happy. That's right, Elliot. That's a great way to live. <laughs> but under no circumstances is Mike Smith not starting Game One on Wednesday. Night. I'm sorry, that is insane. You don't rest. Now, here's the weird one. This series is all over the map in terms of start times. So we have a we have a 7:30. Oh, yeah p.m. start on Wednesday we have a it's out right now yeah it came out so we game one is Wednesday it's 7 30 p.m. mountain then you have a uh an 8 30 p.m. mountain start on Friday night then you have a Whoa. 6 p.m. mountain start on Sunday then you have a 8 30 again p.m. mountains oh no, pardon me a 7 30 p.m. mountain start again on tuesday 20 the 24th of may for game four so every single start time for the first four games is completely different there's no there's oh no
2: they start playing games tomorrow
0: yeah there's uh there there is oh no one, yeah, Sorry,
2: tuesday,
0: I forgot yeah. Then. <laughs> that's right no no they play the, the the florida panthers and tampa bay lightning play tuesday as well as the colorado avalanche st louis blues but the Oilers Calgary series and the New York Carolina series, the series that ended basically tonight uh, for the Calgary and, and New York series, they got the extra day off. So they start Wednesday. So there you go. Uh, that's pretty much it for our show this week. Look, lots more hockey to be played, lots more emotions to be, uh, exuded and and spill out all over the place. Look, it should be a lot more fun. Uh, now that there's only four team, four games to follow each, uh, or two games each night, four games, each two nights series. Look, this is going to be fun. Edmonton, Calgary, battle of Alberta. You're going to get your money's worth either way. Uh, and 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 at the end of the day, it's going to be one for the ages. Win or lose for the Oilers, it'll be one of those series that they've already exceeded. I think Elliot's expectations, a lot of people's expectations. You got through round one. You're only one of what eight teams left. That's You're pretty good. was yeah. money,
2: and that's the best, best place to money. be.
0: That's right. And look, if the Edmonton Oilers are going into this series the underdog, I'll take that all day. I'll take that all day because the pressure comes off. And the pressure's never yes. off awesome when you have Connor McDavid, but the pressure comes off a little bit. Tuesday night, don't miss it. Uh, that'll be game one round two this was a fun show thank you everybody for listening follow us on instagram twitter and facebook that was hatrick Hattrick is a member of the ordinary podcasting network it's produced every week by jordan diler coltman and braden diler coltman and follow us on instagram twitter and facebook thanks for listening